Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. You know, Brad's right. It's, it's not about God trying to get something from you. And that's the thing that I keep trying to express to, to people as they hear a pastor up front and talks about money, not interested in something from you, interested in something for you. In fact, God doesn't need your money. It's his already. It's, it's not as if we can say, well, God, don't touch this. He's God. He's all powerful. It's all his anyway. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's about our hearts. It's about what God wants to do inside of us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 20 and 21, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God is interested in your heart. And at this church, we are interested in your heart. We want you to be a whole hearted follower of Jesus Christ. Christianity isn't just something that we say, well, it's just spiritual and doesn't affect anything else. No, our Christianity affects our whole life. All that we are, all that we do, God is all encompassing and he is interested in your heart. And one of the major competitors for our heart, and we know this, is money. Because somewhere on the inside of us is this little voice that says, stuff and experiences will make you happy. And, and that's not that big of a stretch. Like people believe that. In fact, so many people, they have almost made a religion out of the fact that stuff and experiences bring happiness. They've even made a shrine to this kind of thing. And you can go there and you can experience this religious experience where stuff brings happiness. In fact, if you'd like to go there after church, I can give you directions. It's more of a historical site now, but they call it the mall, right? It's this magical place that we would go to way back when, and we walk around and we look in the windows and we look at stuff that we, we want. Now it's not the mall any longer. Now it's Amazon. So I can give you the link for that. Now I don't know if you've ever gone in Amazon and you just click like today's deals just to see what do I need that I never knew that I needed. I didn't even know it existed, but now I have to have it. Stuff, I'm not saying is bad, but we would have to say that stuff and things aren't really doing it for us. That, that stuff, it just doesn't plug up that thing in our heart where we have this desire for more. We'd have to say bigger houses and faster cars. It just doesn't satiate that hunger on the inside of us. So, so what is the problem here? Well, I think that the problem is money buys happiness. Money buys happiness. How many times have you heard somebody say money doesn't buy happiness? Baloney. Next time somebody tells you money doesn't buy happiness, you tell them to take out their checkbook and unload their misery on you. I'll bear your burden. I will help you out. We all know money's bought happiness. All of us in this room have bought something that brought us happiness, but it's just a little bit. It is temporary. It is a low level of happiness. It's a sliver 
of happiness. It's more of a Krispy Kreme donut happiness versus the happiness of I've stuck to my workout for a whole month. It's not lasting. Money buys happiness, but it's just a taste. And the thing with money and stuff and that thing that's in our heart, we have to have more in order to get the fix of the feeling of the addiction of that brought me some happiness. And so it just has to expand. Like when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I wanted a, a racetrack, one of those electric racetracks. You put the, the cars on there and they zoom around. Or I wanted a radio controlled car, an RC car. Now, quite honestly, I don't think those things would do it for me anymore. However, a real muscle car, that, that I'm thinking, well, that could do it. The toys get bigger. It gets more expensive. You got to fill that wanter on the inside of your heart. Did you know we all have a wanter inside of us? We want things because we think it will make us happy. And we feel that bigger, better, faster, shinier will bring to us what we're looking for. And that is contentment. We want to be content. And when we don't get what we want, we get discontent. And discontentment is very easy to come by. When we don't get what we want, we get discontent. We look at somebody else and they've got something that's better than ours and we end up with this emotion on the inside and we are discontent. It's in all of us. We all wrestle with that thing. We see somebody else's kitchen, we see somebody else's car and there's this emotion stirred up and we think, well, I need to have that in order to be content and to be happy. And the thing is that wanter, that desire is never going away. Until we get to heaven, it's not going away. That's not the problem. The problem is this fact that we think we can fill it. It's, it's a lot like eating, right? You, you eat and you're going to be hungry later. I was reminded of this. I went on vacation last month and uh, I, I went to this uh, German restaurant and it was all you could eat. And I took them up on that offer <laughs> and I ate all I could eat. Like I, I was going to get my money's worth. And I walked out of there and I thought I did it. I finally did it. I never have to eat ever again. I was so full. Couldn't get one more thing in there. I'm done. Never eating again. I ate later that day. I mean, it doesn't take long. It's never satiated. It never comes to the end of, well, finally, I've done it, and now I am content. There is always discontentment. The problem is, in the middle of all this upgrading that we do here in the United States, all of this, let's make it bigger, better, faster, shinier, what happens is we get these big old mortgages and all of these loans, and it gets stretched to the very end, and then at the end of the month, we don't have that much left over. And what's missing as we're getting stretched to try to fill that wonder on the inside of us, the thing that's gone is margin. And margin is that place where contentment used to live. It's in the white space of our lives, with our time and our relationship, with our finances, that God does his best work. And if we keep stretching everything and we never make space for God to move, the thing that we long for, the contentment, it's gone. And when we've moved it to the edges and we no longer have the margin that we need for our lives, contentment cannot exist in that environment. What we tend to do and what we tend to wrestle with here in the United States is we get all confused about what we need and what we want. And we know there's a difference between what we need and what we want. Like, I need shelter. 
I want a mansion. And when wants and needs are blurred by greeds, then contentment is elusive. On the inside of all of us, that wanter, that greed, when, when this desire to keep on acquiring is, is pushed to the limit, our lives go haywire. And so we need to be able to come to this place of finding, once again, contentment. The, the wanter on the inside of us, what's interesting is the more you have, the more you want. I don't know if you've noticed that before. The more you have, the more you want, and you're shrinking all of the margin. And if we're not careful, because we think that if we could just put more in our lives, more money, more things, more toys, more relationships, more work, the more we do that, the contentment becomes even more elusive. And with finances, if left unchecked, this could drive you to financial ruin. We've all known people who couldn't govern their wanter, and they kept trying to fill their life with bigger homes and nicer cars, different experiences, and as a result, they ended up in financial ruin. So what do we do? How do we navigate all of this? Well, the great thing is our Heavenly Father, He knows that we need contentment. So He hasn't left us high and dry. He's given us His Word. And today what we're going to discover as we look into the pages of Scripture is that the key to contentment is giving thanks. And I want to show you this through a thread of verses. So if you would, go ahead, grab your Bible or whatever device you're you're looking at the Bible on these days. And if you would open up to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. And as you're turning to Philippians chapter 4, you need to realize who it is that's writing this. This is the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul, this is the same Apostle Paul who has been shipwrecked and starved and beaten and imprisoned. And if you were to read through the whole book of Philippians, there's a recurring theme of joy. And this is what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11, when it comes to this idea of contentment. I want you to see this. Philippians 4, verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And so Paul says, I have come to this place where I've learned something. And this thing that I've learned, I want to pass on to you. That desire that you have on the inside of you to finally be content. I have learned how to get that. Then he says, I know. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance. Now, those two words, every circumstance, hang on to that thought in your mind. Every single circumstance. He knows how to abound in every circumstance. I have learned, there it is again, I have learned the secret. This is a secret. Don't tell anybody else. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. We're like, well, what is that? Because that's what my heart longs for. I'm interested in finding contentment in my life, no matter if everything's going great or if everything's kind of tanking in my life right now. Paul, you've got to tell me, you have learned a secret from God. Could you please let me know? Because I long for contentment. So Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I think, well, that's strange. I thought that verse was just for football games. 
I thought that verse was for athletes. I, I thought this, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like that's for weightlifting, that's for striving, that's for gritting it out. And Paul would say, no, it's not. It's made for contentment. The secret for contentment is that I can do all things through Christ. I can find contentment through Jesus Christ. Now that's great, and it sounds great, but very practically, my question then becomes, how? How do you make that work? And again, the Bible is just rich, 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 rich. You should read it. The Bible is rich, and he gives us another clue. He gives us a clue in the book of 1 Thessalonians. So flip over there, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul's writing again, and Paul says this, give thanks in all circumstances. Didn't we just read something about all circumstances? Yes, we did. In Philippians chapter four, he says, I've learned. I've learned the secret of how to abound in every circumstance. And here Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So the secret of contentment is finding strength in Jesus Christ to give thanks in all circumstances. The key to contentment, here it is. The key to contentment is to give thanks. That's it. That is the key to contentment. And maybe right now you're thinking in your mind, that's great. That's wonderful. All I need to have margin in my life finally is just simply to have a better attitude, to be grateful, sort of. It goes further than that. Because I I think all of us have come to this place where we're thankful. Like there's moments where we get it. Like I can be thankful. We've given gratitude a shot. And gratitude, it lasts for a little while. Like God, thank you for all of the goodies you have given to me. And I'm really, really excited and happy about what you've given to me. But then give it enough time and your wanter kicks in once again and you are then discontent with what you have. Again, it's common to all of us. It is common to mankind because it is never fully and completely satiated this desire to acquire. And so what is the secret? He says the secret is to give thanks. And the key word here is giving thanks. And Paul said in Philippians 4, this is something that I've learned. This is something that I have to practice. It's not just simply something that you can want to do a little bit more. Maybe you should just get a little bit better attitude about stuff around you. You have to learn to do this. You have to actively do it. In fact, I think the word content, in my mind, it shouldn't just be a subject of a verb. I like to think of content as a verb. It should be like, I am contenting. What are you doing right now? I am contenting myself actively with what God has given to me. And I am giving thanks. And again, the, the, the thanking part we get, the giving part, that's hard. And we have to do it on an ongoing basis. And sometimes the thanking part is difficult. Thanking God for things gets even more challenging when all kinds of things are falling apart around you and you're a little stressed over it. I had that this week. This week, I didn't feel real content uh, within a short amount of time, within a 24-hour period, had all kinds of stuff breaking around me. Uh, first, uh, the garage door broke, so I had to get that fixed and work on. Then immediately after the garage door broke, my truck broke. Like the truck I said last week that was rusting in the parking lot, it heard me, and it's like, I'll show you. I'm not working anymore. 
I think parts rusted off, fell off. It's stuck in four-wheel drive. People have given me tips on how to get this thing to work. It's done busted. And I've got to get somebody to come in, fix that thing. Within that 24 hours, I repaired my dryer two times, not just once, two times. And then I had to have somebody come in and take care of some HVAC kinds of things for that. And then my drain and my sink and the plumbing and all of this stuff within a 24 hour period. And I'm thinking to myself, is this God or is this Satan? But somewhere along the line, somebody's like, oh, you're preaching about contentment this week. Here you go. And I think to myself, I would just like to preach about health, wealth, and prosperity sometimes because I'd like to move in that direction rather than just simply being the one who has to live out the sermon every single week. It's hard, right? When, when everything around you is falling apart and God's giving you all these systems, like, God, you gave me the truck. It's your fault. It's broken. I'm going to get upset at you. It's really, really hard, right? It's hard if you've got a car payment and you're spending to the limit and then all of a sudden it breaks down. Now you got the repair bill. But the thankful part comes when you realize, that's right, I've still got legs that reach the brake and the gas. Thank you, God. Like, we can get there. May need a little bit of time to get there, but we can get there. The giving thanks, the giving part, well, that's hard. Because the last thing on your mind, when you are stretched, because you spend 100%, 110%, 120% of your money on you so that you could have your stuff, the last thing on your mind when you're stretched is giving. Are you kidding me? How am I going to give when I'm stretched? If anything else gives here, I'm just going to snap. That's what's going to happen. But the key to contentment is to give thanks. The problem is we're living in this place where there's no more margin, where there's no more space, and we've pushed everything to the limit. So again, what do we do? I've told you the secret. The secret to contentment is to give actively thanks. Paul in another place just spells it out even better for us. And this is in the book of 1 Timothy. So if you would flip over in your Bible to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. So as Paul's writing this, he's writing the book of Timothy to a dude named Timothy, and he's a pastor. He's a young pastor. And Timothy's pastoring a church in Ephesus. And the Ephesians, they're loaded, and they're rich. They're very rich for that time. In fact, I've been to Ephesus. And in Ephesus, uh, we saw that, that they had hot and cold running water in some of the homes. And you want to think about that in that kind of time, like hot and cold running water. They had set it up in such a way that they would have air conditioning. Like they, they would allow the wind to blow through and affect this water and then it would cool their homes. It was just, it's a beautiful port city. It's just gorgeous. They would have these mosaics on the wall and on the floor. Awesome, beautiful place. And so Paul, an experienced pastor, is writing to this young man, Timothy, who is surrounded by people who, who keep thinking, look, we've got all this stuff. Let's keep making life better and more comfortable for ourselves. And Paul has something to say to Timothy about this. This is what he says in verse 6 of chapter 6. Paul says, but godliness with, and here's our word, contentment is great gain. And that's what we all want. We want godliness with contentment. It's great gain. And then he goes on and he says, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. So Paul says, if you have anything right now, you have more than what you started with. Because when we came into this world, for most of us, we came in naked. 
And if you have clothes on your back right now, most of you do. Actually, all of you do. I'm not sure about the people on the other side of the camera. If, if you have clothes, you have more now than you had when you first got here. Then he says this. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. And I'm thinking, I'm not. I'm not content with just food and clothing. I know I should be content. I know I should be content with just rice and water. I should be content with bread and water. Like here is some food. You can survive by eating this. Be content with rice and water. And I'm thinking, I'm not content with rice and water. I want steak and dessert. And somehow along the way, we go beyond just what we need and we keep moving towards what we want and we keep feeling we are owed what we want. And the strange thing about the way that our our lives work and our own minds, our own hearts, even in our own cultures, we keep making life better and better and better and we think that we have to have these things. And we convince ourselves, well, the reason that I want steak and lobster and a very nice dessert is because I have very expensive taste. The reason I want a fancy car and a fancy home and fancy clothes is because I have expensive taste, as if people who don't have money don't have expensive taste. But we'll convince ourselves, I need better and I need more because I deserve it. And Paul says, if you've got food And you've got clothing with these, we will be content. And so Paul talks to all of us, including me, who are discontent. And he says this, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And we think, well, that's, that's not us. That's everybody else. I can never set myself up where I'm just thinking that stuff would bring contentment for me or that I need to work harder and get more of a raise. And if I had just had a little bit more, then I would be fine. That's not going to happen to me. Paul's talking to everybody else, but he's talking to us. And we looked at this last week. He says, for the love of money, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving, this, this wanter on the inside of us, if left ungoverned, It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs, many sorrows, many griefs. He says, people who want more than what they have, they are setting themselves up for temptation. They're setting themselves up. Not only will they begin to lose out on margin, they have the temptation to walk away from the faith. And maybe in your own life, you've seen people like this who have walked away from God, who are not interested in what God has to offer. They're more interested in themselves and what they can get in this life than they are of God. And they have walked away from the faith. They don't have time for God. And everything that they have is theirs. They're self-made. They've made it. God can't touch it. Nobody else can. They're not interested in him. So what do we do? What is the remedy? Because quite honestly, that is the temptation for all of us. So Paul goes on, drop down to verse 17. This is what he says. As for the rich in this present age. And if the Ephesians were rich, (laughs) we're rich, rich. Because when I went to Ephesus and I saw all that stuff, I didn't see a car. I didn't see cell phones. 
I didn't see half of what we have now. And so Paul would say to this present generation, if he could write a letter, hey, Chris, tell all the rich people at Brookville Road Community Church, charge them not to be haughty. Look what I did. Look what I made. I'm self-made. I'm a hard worker. This kingdom, my kingdom. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God in heaven saying, here is your food. Here is your clothing. Here is your shelter. You get to enjoy from my good hand. Now remember, the key to contentment is to give thanks. Watch this. They, all the rich people, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous. And ready to share. See, this is why you can't just try to be content. This is why you can't just try to get a better attitude uh, about stuff. The way that we find contentment in our lives is by actively pursuing giving thanks. Strategic percentage priority giving to God begins to open up the key to our heart. And once again, contentment has the opportunity to flood into our lives. And when you have contentment, now you can begin to set yourself up with margin that God gives you. There's just something about this. Strategic generosity, actively thought out, given back to God through generosity, frees us up. Again, the thankful part we get, thank you, God, for all the goodies. The giving part. Oh, now you're messing with my heart. This is how he sums this up. Verse 19. Paul says, thus, storing up treasure. That sounds familiar. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation. Who's storing this up? All the rich people who are doing good, who are rich in good deeds, who are generous. They're willing to share with others. They are storing up for themselves this treasure, a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Storing up treasure. Where do we hear that? Jesus. Matthew 6, verse 20 and verse 21. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or Thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How does that happen? How do we get treasure in heaven? How, how, how are we laying up these things in heaven? How, how is it that we're not just simply concerned with laying up treasure for our future here in our 401k or 403OB or 90210, whatever number you got? How do we do that? We send it on ahead. It happens through giving. God's not like, well, you look good and I like you and I'm gonna make sure that there's treasure up here for you. It is through good works. It is through us being filled by the spirit of God, following his lead and the good works and being generous to him that we are laying up for ourselves treasure in heaven. And friend, one day we who know Jesus Christ will be in heaven and we're gonna look around and we're gonna be so thankful that we sent it on ahead, not for our glory, for his glory, for his kingdom. We'll be like, I wish I would have sent more. <laughs> Thank you, God, for all that you have placed into my hands and freed up my heart in such a way that I could find contentment now and joy for eternity where there's truly life. There is just something about 
giving away significant chunks of what we already have that begins to condition our souls. It begins to refine us. It begins to change our hearts. And again, we have to be strategic about this. It doesn't come natural. This is the opposite of natural for us. But if we're gonna get to the place where we have margin in our lives, we've gotta say, I'm gonna create some of that margin by making sure that I am generous, that I am proactive about it. The key to contentment is to give thanks. You're not truly, truly thankful until you're able to give. You just aren't. Generosity is a key tool that God has given to us to unlock our heart and open us up to his blessing, to his life, to his contentment. I think some of us in the room, we've been around long enough that we know that everything that this world kind of throws at us and says, here, this is it. This is the thing, this commercial, this item. And we look at the thing and we think, well, that, yeah, that, that, that's a treasure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet that need and that contentment. We've been around long enough that we know that all of that stuff is just junk. And it's phony. And it ends up rusting and falling apart. And we don't take it with us. And yet, and yet, there is this pull on every single one of us where our wanter kicks in. And we want more. And we want to feed that thing. We want to make sure that we have all that we have. And we think that that scrap that this world offers us, that item, that thing, will do it. But when the new thing becomes the old thing, man, that, this contentment just kicks right in once again. And we've got the hunger. The problem isn't the hunger. Don't be ashamed of the hunger. We're all going to have the hunger. The problem is that maybe, just maybe, the thing that we thought would bring us contentment is something that we have never, ever considered before. The key to contentment is not in acquiring more, but in giving more away. That's the key to contentment. That is how we achieve this. And we push back on that. And we push back on it because, again, that's not intuitive to our culture. It's not intuitive to our own natural tendency. But could you just imagine what your life would look like with that kind of contentment that not only brings you joy, but it brings everybody else around you joy? That is only possible when you and I step into the key of contentment, which is giving thanks. So here's how I want to challenge you. I just want to challenge you this week to give something away. I'm not even asking you to give it here to this church. Give something away this week. And, and some of you, I realize, man, all of this talk and all of this stuff, I've never really done this before and this is hard. And so let me just say this. If you're starting out small, if you would say, uh, you know, this is hard. If you're really greedy, and I don't know who you are and I say that tongue in cheek because I've been there myself, start small. Do you want a piece of gum? Just start there. I mean, there was a point in my life where that would be hard for me. Like, this is my last piece of gum. I ain't giving you my last piece of gum. Start there. Give something away. Maybe, maybe you're like, oh, I can give away a piece of gum. That's stupid. Great. Do this. Give something you love away. See what that does to your heart. And if you'd really like to jump in with both feet and to begin to trust and test a God who's invited you to test him, tithe. Take 10% and return it to God. Now, I'm offering a money-back guarantee here. I can't, you can give it to some other church. They may not be offering a money-back guarantee. I'm not interested in your money. Again, we're talking about your heart. And so many times I'll hear people say, I can't give 10%. And my thought is, if you got a 10% pay reduction, could you find a way to live? Yeah. 
And the problem isn't the percent. The problem is we think that everything that we have is ours for our consumption. When our heavenly father calls us to realize that every good thing comes from him, he has met all of our needs. And with that, we'll be content. Comes down to, is God trustworthy? Can we trust that he loves his children and will continue to meet our needs as we let go of those things that have a hold of our heart? And the answer to that has always been yes. God is faithful and God is good. and He loves his children and that includes you. Let's pray. Father, I know what this has done for my heart. And Lord, I know there's all kinds of smoke screens that we throw up and excuses and stuff that comes into our mind and our heart, especially when a pastor starts talking about this. God, I just pray, like, if there's anything that somebody can hold on to today to begin to let any bit of greed go in their heart, Lord, would you please do it? Help them to get past all of those kinds of issues, to get to a place where they completely and fully trust you, a good God who has never, ever abandoned your children. You have been faithful. You have been faithful from day one to your creation. You had in mind to send your son, Jesus Christ, so that we might have salvation. You have made sure to meet the needs of your people in challenging, challenging times. You have always, always been there. And Father, as a body, as individuals, we want to trust you, not just in word, not just with our salvation but with something even more challenging, with money and stuff, that treasure that grabs a hold of our heart, we place it into your hands. And we thank you, Father, for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.